Oh, it's the Academy Awards show. February 5th, 2020. How's it going, everybody? It's the show. Oh, man. I would like to thank the Academy for the opportunity and my producer and my agent and my parents for giving me the opportunity to give a life. I'd like to thank the staff and the extras, you know, and, you know, that that's what's going to happen this Sunday. Um... Well, before getting to the Academy Awards, I want to talk about the uh, best pictures and whatnot. If not enough people talked about it already, uh, quickly, uh, I'm not going to talk about the State of the Union on this episode because I'm recording before the State of the Union, which is strong financially. Look at Tesla, record highs, record number of stock prices. I did it. I did all the thing. Tax cuts working. I, 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 I said this many times every fucking Trump you know, the, what, what should I call it, the State of the Union. I think the last time I talked about it was two years ago. Everything goes back to two years ago. State of the Caffeine. Was it 2019 or 2020? Anyways, I, I said, I know what he's going to talk about. And then I was like, I just stopped watching it halfway through. <laughs> 2018, I talked about it. I don't even remember the State of the Union last year. So uh, that was the episode 73 from January 31st. Go back and listen to that one um, because it's probably going to be the same topic. You know, with the uh, adjustment and the, uh, what you might call it, the impeachment that was inevitable to begin with. Why did people try this? I'm like, oh, well, I, again, go, go back and listen to what I said. Oh, my God, this is so weird because the last episode I said, Dear Kobe Part 2, go back and listen to episode 72 on January 24th, 2018. Um, the two numbers that Kobe wore. And then a week after that, it was a State of the Union. So sort of the topic I'm talking about. Two years later, is 2020 going to be a lot like 2018? I don't fucking know about that. Anyways, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect alignment of timing. So, um, But big thing that's been going on is the Iowa, uh, Iowa uh, fucking caucus. Uh, well, there was a delay uh, as I'm recording this Tuesday evening an hour before the State of the Union. Uh, well, there was a... There were three ways of counting the Iowa caucus. And before me getting into the Iowa caucus as a conceptual idea, which I don't understand. Uh, so there was an app that the Iowa Democratic Party, IDP, decided to use as one of the methods to count the ballots from the caucuses from dif- different counties. Now, there was a problem th- with downloading the app and also once... And then trying to log in the app, and like it just didn't work. So, and many people decided not to use it to begin with. So they wanted to just like do the paper ballot and then call the center, the I guess the head the headquarters of the IDP. But for some reason they couldn't reach. They don't understand why the call center wasn't working. Was it Russia? Um, but because of that, the results have been delayed, and the the the, the inconsistency between counting this is like what the fuck. And then I read more about the company that made the app as being in the software in the tech industry. Um, I I saw that they <laughs> they called it a. <coughs> I, I I'm just reading the snippets from the New York Times. Uh, quote: Iowa's Democrats blame they quote coding issue unquote in the app. Uh, who, who wrote this shit? Who, who Democrats? Coding issue. There was a coding issue. Uh, and the party said it would resort to a time-consuming manual tally based on the information called in by precinct chairs or pictures sent on their smartphones, the same ones which they could uh, not make the app to work. Um, coding issue. Clearly, people who work on this thing do not know what the fuck uh, 
the issue is describing the issue it's like the disney i was like oh it's not an architectural issue with the disney plus but you know it's my continuation of investigation and looking at look 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 it's great that we're moving everybody into steam stem whatever you want to call it however as my old roommate tedious said look there's a reason why there's so many software engineers out there you know because all the good ones are gone and I agree with the notion. I keep saying educating is one thing, but educating the quality workers is another. And I read from Vice or Vox that they said, look, they paid $60,000 for this firm called The Shadow who made this app for the progressive causes. $60,000 three months ago in November of 2019, and they didn't test this statewide. I go, lack of testing. Uh, and then I look at the Bear app. I go, dude, this isn't so hard. And then they didn't reveal the Democrats in iOS. They didn't reveal the developers of this app so that it couldn't be hacked. And I go, uh, you know what? I, I, I think the fact that they decide to do this app this way without testing it, I just go, God, I thought Democrats were the cool tech people. What the fuck? You know? It's, it's fucking stupid. And then I, I, I don't know. Is this, is this what happens when the liberal progressives, you know, just accept everything without looking at the meritocracy of everything why aren't they looking at the merits of the fucking app they just allow everything we cannot let these people run the fucking country it is my role playing of a fucking idiotic uh, conservative so called conservative a bigot you know that's what I would like the dumbass Glenn Beck logic I would throw back I still have a Glenn Beck in my head I don't know why I've been throwing the reference a lot recently but I go $60,000 for the most important app and the country is like kick off of the fucking season you know, if this happened in the NFL as a fucking game one, the NFL would fucking, you know, freak out. It would freak out more than the Ray Rice video, you know. Roger Goodell would be like, we're going to get it right. We're going to get it right. We're going to make sure that we're going to, you know, our fans and the National Football League to protect the integrity of the shield, you know, well, all, you know, all that shit. You get the idea. So, you know, I, I just go, you pay 60000 I was like, that's it? That's it for this app, which Nevada and other states are going to use? 60000 I was like, what the fuck? So, you know, pay the goddamn money. Like, I, I, I'll come up with a team that would do better on a shorter time. Jesus. But, like, better? It's like, I, I'm being, it's a jest. But, and then, oh, my God. And then the whole poll didn't come out. You know, the, the Des Moines Register poll, which usually comes out before the Iowa caucus begins. Because, you know, Pete Buttigieg uh, camp said that, look, one pollster did not put my name on a fucking ballot. So, this poll is fucking skewed the numbers are wrong um so poll never came out which kept the excitement i was oh my god who are the iowans gonna pick a fucking state trump won to begin with going off of mike bloomer's point and so far with 62 percent of precincts reporting uh pete Buttigieg captured 26.9 percent of the vote bernie sanders 25.1 elizabeth warren 18.3 joe biden 15.3 uh, as I'm reading off of the New York Times evening snippet, we'll update with more results as they become available. The live vision of it still is 26.9%. Um, Amy Klobuchar, 2.6. One, Andrew Yang. Wow. Tom Steyer, 0.3. Bloomberg, nothing. Tulsi, nothing. Duval Patrick, nothing. Mike Bennett, nothing. John Delaney, nothing. Uncommitted, too. So, there's that. It's all over the place, as we thought. So, um... Well, what, BK, so what's your opinion on this? Who do you think should win? And I, 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 I don't know. I cannot vote, but if I were a voter, I don't fucking know. So I'm going to save that for Super Tuesday episode. Um, 
you know, or leading up to Super Tuesday. Uh, when is it in 2020? Jesus, let me look it up. I should have do this research beforehand. Oh, 2020 will be March 3rd. Um, so I will probably do it beforehand. But let's see what happens. Uh, you know what? I'll talk about the presidential nominees as we come to the... the I've been saying over and over, I don't mind the Michael Bloomberg, but fucking his commercial on Super Bowl was a goddamn travesty. I, I, I saw the Trump ad and I go, God damn, you fucking lunatic. What a fucking ad. Um, so I give score one for Trump because uh, Mike Bloomberg, uh, and I, I, I don't mind his strategy where he's going off of uh, with other states where it's more important was, you know, setting up camps in Wisconsin. I think in Michigan, I although I haven't heard. The battlegrounds that he's trying to focus on and then he's just putting that infrastructure in and then obviously the news don't cover him and then I don't like this. He's a billionaire, therefore his evil fucking mantra, you know? I said that last week a uh, couple weeks ago. I'm saying gonna say it again. It was like, look, if Bill Gates decides to run as a Democrat, are you gonna fuck are you gonna tell him to fuck off? You know, you're not gonna say that. So how is Michael Bloomberg any different? Now, what I want to see more out of him is like that actual ground level, the narrative the rest of the candidates want to send is that, well, he's a billionaire just throwing his fucking money around. And I do see the argument from like the, you know, Democratic National Convention kind of adjusting the rules so that Mike Bloomberg would be able to debate kind of thing. But I just go like, look, just let him, I, the fact that he entered late, yeah, let him talk. But like, oh, but what about Kamala? What about Cory Booker? It's like, I'm sorry, they have multiple opportunities. And Kamala Harris, especially, had the chance to do it, and then she fucking blew it after she went after Biden the best way possible. So that's on her. Cory Booker, too, is like, dude, like, people don't listen, media don't cover us. And I'm like, dude, Andrew Yang is still in this. Tulsi somehow is still in this. And I just go, you're a message. I could not differentiate what you're, what you're offering. I'll be honest. You know, I'm still having that debate within my head. Looking at the rest of the candidates, you know, outside from the pro, like socialism versus moderate, you know, and then, anyways. But what Michael Bloomberg said is also right. Look, like I, he's not partaking in this Iowa, New Hampshire fuckery because it is ridiculous that two states, especially Iowa, that have like, that is going to be impossible for the Democrats to swing, is is what the focus is. That's like just defeating the bad dog anyway like let's go find new dogs you know where the battlegrounds are at and then where the real you know let's beat the trump states really matter and i do agree with him and i again andrew yang says math and then i just and then people just has a city experience small town although i go michael bloomberg like is data driven and then i do like that about him and then he has held you know place in an office and then he does have respect going around and he does feel he does have a filthy amount of money that he doesn't he shouldn't give a fuck like he owns a company bloomberg what else does he have left you know if you're about worry about the rest of the billionaire cronies like oh he's gonna support the wall street friends you know like let's let's see what he offers he's like he keeps saying i want to tax everybody making more than five million dollars i should pay more tax you know he might look come off as a, either lex luther or fucking bill i don't fucking know you know so I'm not, I'm not completely against Michael Bloomberg. So I don't understand these, like, some of the Democrat progressive people, they're just going, rich man, evil man. I just go, say the same shit about Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, okay? Especially Bill Gates. You're going to say the same shit? What about Steve Jobs? He was an evil motherfucker. Okay, at least you keep the consistency there. But I'm just saying, just because you got rich doesn't mean you're fucking evil. They're very minor, small few 
good rich people out there. The fact that in America you can make it, however self-made and all that, that differentiates the socialist whatever that you see in like other countries. You know what it perceived as a socialist value. So don't knock the guy just because he's a billionaire. Understand how this guy became a billionaire. I'm knocking on fucking Trump as a dumbass because I know how he made his money and how he lost all his money and how he's just scamming his way through. He's not a true billionaire. He's not a true rich man. He's no different from a fucking Vegas bookie. Yo, 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 this is Vegas, Vegas Jimmy, you know. Pay me $600 and I give you all the picks for the Super Bowl this weekend. I pick the 49ers, you know, plus five, you know, all that shit. Minus five, you know, all that shit. And then you blow your $700. That's what Trump is. He's no different from the next door fucking bookie or the, the one that says uh, the America's best handicapper. It's no different from that, this motherfucker. Bloomberg, fuck, man. Like, what he has achieved, what then decides to dedicate himself to in a public office, at least that's how I interpret it. I just go, that's admirable, billionaire. Jesus. And then he doesn't give a fuck. Spending like $300 million of his own money to mo- not just campaign, but to mobilize a whole thing and say, Democrats, I'm going to set up this basis for you. So whenever you're done fighting, even if it's not me, I'll support whoever. But here are the battlegrounds and let me get the groundwork going in these places while you're fucking debating about the stupid shit in Iowa and the impeachment. Okay, so there's that. I can't believe I spent more time talking about that than others, but I'm sure I'll repeat my points as we go. <coughs> All right, main thing I want to talk about today. I'd like to thank the Academy for giving me the opportunity. Um, doing that again, I'm just practicing my speech. That will never happen. So, uh, I watched all... How many is this? Nine. Uh, 2020 Oscar-nominated best films. Um, I finished watching the 1917 last night. I saw The Irishman first before I went to Australia, and then so in between the seven... I knocked out the seven movies over the uh, three-day period. Um, just when the Kobe thing, you know, happened. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I guess this is like a whole debate about snubs and Oscars. So wait, you know, shit comes in. You know, looking at the movies that were nominated, going through, I just go, you know what? I all night, I must say, you know, I, I sound like the presenter. I, I sound like fucking Tina Fey in front or something. I don't know who's presenting the best movies. All nine films, the directors, the producers, uh, the financiers, the films, the actors and actresses, uh, and the extras, makeup person, you know, visual effects, editors, uh, writers, you know, screenwriters, screenplay people, uh, the guy who picked up the screenplay writer. Uh, from a restaurant at Chipotle or something. I don't know. So uh, all of them well-deservedly be nominated. I, I gotta say all nine. I just go like, damn, they're damn good. And then somebody was like, hey, what about, I think my sister was asking, what about the Avengers Endgame, man? Avengers Endgame. The way it wrapped up. Like, Dude, Avengers Endgame does not even come close to any of these nine. I'll say right now. So if you're a Disney fanboy saying that Avengers deserve a spot on the best picture, <clears throat> screw off. See the rest of the nine. Cause like not even close. Uh, I'm 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 really choking here, you know, with the emotions coming up. Um, so I before going into the rest of it. Oh, BK, come on, that's a captain. winner. we don't give a shit. Um, what constitutes a best picture? This is a question I was thinking a very very long time as a non-academy voting member, as a non-white, 
you know, cis male person. So, what defines a best picture? Is it the best camera, best techniques, best makeup, best story? What is it? Well, then again, I just go, this is a whole Cy Young versus MVP argument. Why does a pitcher need to win a MVP? You got your own best picture award called the Cy Young. And I said, not so fast. Most valuable player is the most valuable player. Batters and pitchers and whoever. And if it's the Cy Young just for the best pitchers. If I want to give the award uh, to the best like camera angles, cinematography, I think that's what they call it. Give it on there. If I see the best original writing, give it to the original screenplay award. If I would see the best like novel adaptation of it, give it to the best adapted screenplay. You know? If I want to give it to the best sound, give it the best sound editing award, right? If I want to give it to the direction of, of it, then BK, what's the difference between the direction and the picture? I'll get to that in a second. I just go way the blocking angle did you know the story and all that kind of the overall direction of it not the minutiae of the techniques in between but the overall direction of the where movies going give that movie to the give that award to the best director okay so that's my difference right there gold gloves give it to the best defenders mvp give it to the whoever the overall best most value added was so to me the best pictures in that sense is a one that exemplifies the best value as a best pick, you know, best technique, editing, whatever, all that combined. Social impact, all that stuff. So, best picture in this sense, what does everything mean, BK? So I go, well, here's how I defined it, at least for the 2020 nominees. Uh, is this a very well-told story, number one, that you would go back and watch it? Number two, is it a, does it reflect, this is my own criteria in my head, the, is this something that is historically significant where it reflects the current state of what the society is going through? Because in the end, movies are arts and people go back to arts, go back and, you know, look into what the society's society was like and then try to, you know, pay homage to it like some of these movies did. Uh, and the, what's the what's the metaphor? What's the narrative? What's the what's the what's the. What's the overall shit that you want to tell us, you know, 10, 20, 100 years down the road, right? And also, like, hey, is this a cinema-wise a significant movie? Like, not just a social, reflecting on the social impact and returnability, return, being a return customer. Has this contributed to the future movie making, you know? Like the, uh, what's that fucking movie? Uh, the, the, the fuck, I forgot what that was. The, 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 the I forgot what it was from the 1930s. What was a fucking movie? Citizen Kane, you know, coming out of the silent movie. I think somebody talked about this uh, on YouTube and a couple, couple videos I saw as to what defines the greatest movie or something. Like, hey, Citizen Kane is a significant work because the people are coming out of the silent movies. Like, this is the first movie that people actually spoke into all this shit, you know. Best director, for example, like Stanley Kubrick. His style of a consistent angles and camera work has you know, influence the movies forever, blah, 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 all that stuff, so, of all, like, those three general things, you know, uh, remembrance and, uh, repeatability of enjoying the movie, uh, historical significance and cinematic contribution, those three, what is the best picture, so, I rank them also, and I'm saying this because I'm going to go into my rationale. It's not a bias because I'm a Korean, but it's a goddamn parasite. I, it, it, 
it meets all three categories in my opinions. So, Parasite, since it's a winner, I'll just go through it. Number one, why is it returnability? The way the movie is shot and written with its ups and downs of the story, it's it's something that I think we can. I can go back and watch it over and over, and then go, oh, what what is director? Bong trying to do here, here, here. It's like it's kind of like Goodfellas in the earlier Scorsese films, and try to nitpick some items there, um, and see what the metaphors and all those were. And a lot of the metaphors in between these nine best movies, like a lot of step stairs, like the levels, you know, in which I guess in in Parasite sense, with the spoiler alert basement and then the panic room. Uh, upper floors of the rich and then living in a half basement for the poor family it just shows it levels of inequality and levels of wealth and hiding the image you know that kind of stuff and i thought that was uh something that i could i would definitely go back and watch historic significance look what i just covered with the metaphor with the stairs and levels um i think it, it even though it's a korean movie i think it truly reflects the income inequality and the disenchantment, displacement of many people that are protesting out there and the populism and everything. And our idea of lionizing wealth and being a celebrity, speaking of lionizing, um, just and all the all the college admission scandal that happened especially in america and you know the asian confucius culture of like hey moving up the steps and entry exam and stuff it's just a reflection of hey moving up the social ladder and how much gap is there and the word parasite i think the korean podcast that explained this the the parasite in english uh in korean the the movie titles giseng chung the word giseng before chung giseng chung is a parasite but giseng if you think about it as a Korean word, it's more like a hey, so influence, power, Zen. I don't know. So how much of that yeah, can you influence to socially, economically, etc.? And I think if we look back 20, 50, 100 years down the road, and it's like, God, that was a Great Depression. What movie, you know, reflects a Great Depression? I just go, I don't know. All of them are silent. Scarface, you know, <laughs> the 1930 version. I don't know, you know. So. This is something that historians can go back and go. These are the kind of artwork that came out. Uh, uh, movie is the contribution to cinema. I think this for me watching a lot of for me, you know, watching Korean movies and some K dramas time to time. Stylistically, it's shocking for Western viewers, but for me, it was like sort of familiar. But it was like years of decades of well polished Korean film and camera and drama work television work that's finally in the eyes of the western world especially america so for that and then the storytelling and just the character development of it is like i it's sort of tarantino-esque who is nominated here yet it just and it's a combination with a lot of korean drama stuff and i think it's something it's something it's more authentic and genuine way of developing a character throughout the two hour period which is what i say is lacking in say professional wrestling it's like god the attitude era 20 years ago stone cold steve austin the rock 
uh, Triple H, and I go, those are very, uh, McFoley, they're very authentic, genuine characters who, with their genuine personalities, plus 50, plus 100, you know, just going overboard. There are authentic people we truly believed in, which is why The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, has become such a magnet of a huge movie star, because that guy's genuine. Whatever The Rock was, whatever The Rocky Maivia was, you know, in 1995, 1996, he's the same guy now. And then we see that, we believe in it, we see it. And believing in these characters and believable characters is a believable scenarios like as Parasite has demonstrated. Uh, I, I, I don't think I've seen that in a movie in a long, long time uh, as a realistic movie. Um, so I, I got to go back and think. You know, but it's it's not overbearing some God, it's multi-race, let's come together, Native American flick or some stuff like that. So based on those three categories of reasoning, and uh, I say Parasite wins. But do I expect Parasite to win? I don't think so. I'm hella, hella <laughs> pessimistic knowing the Academy's history. But who the hell knows? The voting ended today on Tuesday, and then Ernst & Young has to collected results if i remember right and 1917 has been winning all the excuse me i'm burping and uh stuffy a lot 1917 has been winning all these like pre you know oscar movie awards but uh i'll go down the rest of the ranking so the second best movie i said it was 1917 uh and it was an unbelievable camera angle one shot uh sam mendes did but it 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 was basically saving Private Ryan in one shot for World War One. So I just said, great movie, Call of Duty 2, you know. Uh, number three, Ford versus Ferrari. Um, I, Christian Bale, once again, is unbelievable. But I said, this is movie is basically the fighter, David O. Russell movie from 2010, which Christian Bale won the Academy Award for the supporting actor, but with cars instead of boxing. Uh, yeah, and then I, I didn't like some elements of the story where they... Ah, God, I forgot his name. But um, the Ford executive, you know, they try to make him as a very simplified villain. I just go, I don't know about that. Like the, it, it, Ford versus Ferrari kind of hits me because it's an automotive movie. There are some moving lines in that movie. It's like, God damn. Like, I think the Ford Jr. was like, you know, if it, you know, like this, this country and this company put their tanks and beat these motherfucking Nazis in the war. You think you can't win a war against Italians? And I'm like, God damn, that's so inspirational. I where did all this like go? But then it was also a reflection of a corporate American automotive culture. That hasn't really changed in my opinion. Probably the one and only time I'll talk about work. So uh, because I, I put that in the movie number three. Number four, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. You know, this is another rendition of uh, you know history revisited with the ideal finish, <laughs> ideal happy ending, like the Django Unchained and the which call it the Inglorious Bastards. Uh, the movie would have cast uh, the cars and the ensemble cast, and everything was f- unbelievable. But I, you know, I'm not saying oh god, it's a Tarantino movie; it has to be violent. But I just, I just. You know, there's some suspenseful moments and everything, but I just said, I, I don't know. I, I've i seen this before, you know? So I go, this is not the best version of the Tarantino universe, in my opinion. So, number four. The Irishman. Epic nostalgia of Scorsese. This one I saw more than two months ago. Uh, my God, it was a long movie, but I was just... I, 
I, my jaw just dropped watching the whole movie. And I can't believe no one wanted to finance this movie. But um, it's, it's a good reminder of the Goodfellas and Casino. Uh, Casino, I still, you know, after the Goodfellas, I, I, if I want to put the gangster movie rankings for Scorsese, it's at this point like Goodfellas, Casino, and The Irishman, you know, before Depart, even after, before Departed and all that. So number five is that. Number six, Joker. Um, I know some people are, are not comfortable with this movie with a mental dis- illness and everything, disturbance, but I, I, I take it as a Joker has always been a very, you know, unreliable narrator. So some of the worldview that he sees is like, I say it's happily believable, you know, so I just go, whatever. Thomas Wayne, is he Michael Bloomberg? Um, and, <laughs> uh, Robert De Niro being in this movie, well, I thought it was a good homage. And then I said, this is a taxi driver without any memorable line. Um, I, th- that said, why that said is a number six movie on this list. I said, I think Joaquin Phoenix has to win the best actor. I just go, this guy has not, gotten his due in my opinion so i think he's gonna get it but uh, it's not the discomfort of a movie but i just said you know there's some reflection of populism dissatisfaction disenchantment uh being left out similar to parasite but i thought it was little i thought it was way too overshadowed by the unreliable unstable character of this thing i hope no one lionizes it but then again it's an artwork why'd you expect it's like a fight club uh, number seven is Jojo Rabbit. Um, this one was controversial. I'll, I'll say this is the only movie that I laughed the most. Um, but it reminded me too much of the Inglorious Bastards. I know um, Taiki, Taiti, he's a very great director and then a very good actor in this one as a the illusioned uh, Hitler showing up. A uh, bit of a coming of age movie. It was really fun. It was really fun, but it reminded me of the Inglorious Bastards. PG version so much and I can't believe Scarlett Johansson I saw this movie after the marriage story I I can't believe Scarlett Johansson had to be a single mother in two movies to be nominated (laughs) she was a single mother in this after the marriage story so Jojo Rabbit very entertaining but I I, it didn't feel original and then it talked about the rise of populism and nationalism um but you know so number seven is Jojo Rabbit. Number eight, Marriage Story. Um, I wrote Kramer versus Kramer, 500 Days of Autumn. So again, another movie, Scarlett Johansson was a single mother for some reason. Um, I I did not get into this movie the 10 minutes. I stopped. Bill Maher said this on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he said, God, can you get like, can you be less like self-absorbed than this? Like a fucking stage director and an actress, you know, getting married. But once you get over that, it was a great movie. I had the very same reaction because when I first played this movie, after The Irishman, uh, before I went to Australia, I saw the 10 minutes of it, and I said, I can't watch the rest of this right now. And then I came back to it. I saw the rest of it again. You know, it started slow, and then the reality of divorce and all that. But then at the end, I just agonize i just go maybe maybe when i get divorced when i get married later i'll have a different reaction as i have with 500 days of summer which i revisited on the australian plane you know um i i kind of go like look i i I think this couple failed to communicate (laughs) it's their fucking fault and there was a once i mean ray liotta playing the lawyer surprised the shit out of me i was like god you should have played the lawyer in the irishman other than ray romano but ray romano was great so two rays 
of our great Hollywood industry have played two great lawyers in The Irishman and in The Marriage Story. So I thought that was a pleasant surprise. And the acting in this movie is strong. And there's a one scene when Adam Driver lost his shit at Scarlett Johansson. And I just like felt it in my man heart. He's like, go get her. Go get her. Go get that bitch. <laughs> at that moment. But I just go, God, you pumped a kid out of the... It's like, what's the difference between just like Kramer and Kramer? And 500 Days of Autumn, you know? I'm sure this is what happened to that guy after, you know, he, you know, he is summer and the guy dumped each other. So that's number eight. Uh, so I didn't think it was an original story, but very strong acting movie. Little Women, number nine. Um, does this mean it's the worst one? No, I never knew that Little Women was a American novel classic of the Northeast, you know, because I'm from Canada. So I don't know any of this shit. We read Margaret Atwood, you know, not her. So Little Women. I wrote timeless class American classic with no Americans, which is true because you had the little women other than Laura Dunn, who was in was also in the marriage story. God, there's a lot of interchangeable parts here. That little women, which got nominated as a best picture in 1934 or something, which I didn't know until I looked up. I was like, do I remember the rest of the best movies? You know, 1933, that got nominated as a best picture. Uh, and it got nominated as a best picture again about uh, 77 years. No, 87 years later. Holy shit. So at the direction and all that's great. To be honest, it felt like, at first, I was like, I, I feel like I'm watching a movie in an English class that says, like, look, you're supposed to watch it, so I'm about to doze off and watch it. But once I watch it, I just go like, oh my god, none of Emma Watson's in this, and like Meryl Streep shows up, I go, of course this gets fucking nominated. Uh, Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, and Sir is, I can't say her fucking name, Ronan. I go, oh, I guess Sir is an American. No, no, she's Irish. Eh, okay. So this is very confusing. So all four women are not technically American. So I just go, what the fuck? They're Australian, English, Irish. I go, give me, give me an American. Well, how come Laura Dern and then the Bob Odenkirk, the Saul Goodman, shows up as the dad of this family, and I started losing it. I was like, how the fuck is he a dad? I thought it was hilarious. And then the, where are the American actors in this? The guy. Uh, Timothy Chimelet. I thought he was a French because his fucking name. But uh, yeah, I, he, the dude was American, but the rest of the girls were not. So I just go, what the fuck? But the topics they're covering in this movie, other than the Spanish flu or whatever the fuck showed up, was I, I thought, man, I, I wonder if there's a modern version of Little Women that could make, you know? It would be, be very interesting. I just thought that for some reason. It's like if they do, do a modern adaptation of Little Women. You know, kind of like the Macho Do About Nothing, you know, movie that they did. I just go like, hey, could you do a modern spin of Little Women? It would be interesting. Coming of age. You know, a lot of the topics are very relevant even today. So I, I, I don't know. I just thought about that in my head, you know. So anyways, God, 35 minutes because of the stupid Iowa caucus killing the time in this. So there's my ranking. Does it? I recommend seeing all of them. This is the first time I ever did this exercise. This is a lot of fun. Um, but Parasite, if it doesn't win, we fucking riot. Jesus! It's like ECW. Cena wins, we riot. RVD better fucking win. Um, you know, that kind of like, you get enthused. But I, I hope Parasite wins. I think at least it's going to win the best form movie, right? <laughs> so let's see what happens. I'll probably commentate on that next week. 
you know i hope i hope the academy sees beyond the fucking usual wartime movies periodic pieces and you know homage to fucking hollywood homage to fucking american greats like four versus ferrari the irishman uh 1970 was up at a time in Hollywood. Wasn't white people society great? You know, that shit. Wasn't the old America great? I hope they get out of their mindset a little bit. I think ahead. I'm not, I'm not picking Parasite because it's Korean, but it really, it, you gotta look at the overall. But then again, that's my view. I don't have a vote. I cannot vote in this. I cannot vote anywhere. So all I can do is talk shit about it. So here it is. What do you think? You know, just email me or leave a comment on the Apple Store or something. You know, for the Pod Show, Apple Podcast should have this thing. Just have this show with a thumbs up or Google Play Music, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whatever the pod thing you use. Find this show, recommend it to your friends, rate five stars. Even if you don't like it, rate five stars, and then email me at a show at outlook.com. Email me at a show at outlook.com. Thanks for listening. I went a little long today, but I'd, uh, I hope covered all the topics that I could. And then uh, we'll check back next week. And then uh, oh, I'm sorry for the Spartan fans for the football team, but you know we'll talk about the next one. Bye bye. Thank you.